What's up? Hello, New York. This is like the most time I've spent here. And yeah, y'all seem cool as hell. I miss the East Coast. Oh yeah. Um, so hello, my name is Michelle. Like you said, I'm no longer like working in coffee, but I'm still very active in coffee. Uh, I have a blog called The Chocolate Barista. And through that, I found um, that not only do I have this lifestyle through coffee that I enjoy, but I've become sort of an activist in it as well. So through that, it's, it's become important to me to talk about race, talk about diversity, because there's a lot going on in America right now that it's, it's been raised to the top of the conversation. We got Trump out here acting a damn fool. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of stuff going on about police brutality, hate crimes, protesting going on. This week especially was kind of hard. And as a black woman, I'm very, very directly affected by this. So through that, earlier this year, I posted a blog uh, talking about my experience as a black woman in specialty coffee, uh, created some waves, created some conversations. That on top of other pieces that went out this year, um, race and gender have become like a hot topic within coffee. The great thing about coffee though, is that since the industry is so progressive, so accepting, the changes that need to be made, the things that people have been talking about this year, we can make them and we can see the results of that change very quickly. We don't need to wait lifetimes, we don't need to wait years. My kids don't need to still be dealing with this shit. This shit can happen this week. Um, we see that happening in a lot of different avenues as well, like in coffee competitions, uh, for example, a guy out there, you might know him, talked about mutation. We implemented that, we implemented that at my shop. Um, other technical breakthroughs and customer service models that we'll see in competition, the coffee women panel and discussion expanding, um, and diversity focused like code of conducts that are being implemented as well. And since there's an awareness that's now come throughout the industry, we can start making the necessary changes for diversity to come in, which is what I'm talking about, laying this groundwork for diversity to come in and grow. So where do we go from here? I think there are two major like, types of solutions, if you will, that we can, we can like, kind of go in and, and make some shit happen. One of them uh, is like small scale, kind of individual based solutions. So things that we can do within the coffee shop. So changing how we hire, empowering our staff, um, and reevaluating customer service. And then there's this more broad sort of system ideology based solutions um, that I found I was, we need to question the system a little bit more to find out where diversity can come in. So why do we need diversity? Well, diversity allows for new and fresh ideas. Uh, it challenges our current thinking, and the end result is that we have a new perspective, we have an opportunity to learn and innovation, which is perfect for coffee because we're, we're always evolving, we're always changing. We were different a year ago, and we're gonna be different a year from now. So with all of these fresh ideas that can come in, who knows where we'll be two years from now, five years from now, 500. And we see this with the scientific breakthroughs that will be coming with the UC Davis Coffee Center in Texas A&M. 
Uh, also with the SEAA and the SEAE unification and bringing in Europe's perspective, that's going to be really awesome for us. The industry should reflect the consumer base we have and the consumer base we are trying to reach. In my blog, I did say that our consumer base is predominantly white, and since our industry is also predominantly white, we're kind of already reaching the consumer base we have, but we need to be inclusive of everyone else and not exclusive. There is a philosopher called the internet, slash myself, that paraphrased and said, <laughs> valuing diversity is valuing the difference in people, and that's something I really think our industry should keep in mind. So these individual-based solutions, uh, I said these are things that we can, we'll see mostly in the coffee shop. And in terms of time, we'll see the results of these a lot quicker than, than we think. So there are three major things I, I think we should start implementing to enact change. The first one's hiring practices, empowering your employees, and then reapproaching customer service. So there's this word bank of four words that I want you guys to keep in mind. I'm going to read you off the definitions of things that we need to avoid. And as I kind of go through uh, these three different areas to enact change, you'll see sort of where they fit. So we have tokenism, which is the practice of making only a symbolic effort to do a particular thing, especially by recruiting a small number of people from underrepresented groups in order to give the appearance of sexual or racial equality within a workforce. We have stereotyping, which most know, is to believe unfairly that all people or things with a particular characteristic are the same. And then implicit bias and covert racism or more subconscious and way, um, way more common than we think. Implicit bias refers to the attitudes or stereotypes that affect our understanding, actions, and decisions in an unconscious manner. These biases encompass both favorable and unfavorable assessments and are activated involuntarily without an individual's awareness or intentional control. These biases are deep in the subconscious and different from known biases that individuals may choose to conceal for the purposes of social and or political correctness. The implicit associations we hold do not necessarily align with our declared beliefs or even reflect stances we would explicitly endorse. And covert racism is a form of racial discrimination that is disguised and subtle, rather than public or obvious. Concealed in the fabric of society, covert racism discriminates against individuals through often unnoticeable or seemingly passive methods. Covert racially biased decisions are often hidden or rationalized with an explanation that society is more willing to accept. So you'll see where all of these things fit as I kind of go through. So hiring diversely. So a lot of people have been talking about this lately and have already started implementing these things. I heard this in a podcast, Portafilter, Nick Cho and Ashley. And they were talking about uh, hiring for potential, hiring for personality instead of just hiring for experience. And most coffee shops are just looking for experience, but because of the nature of our industry being predominantly white and male, we're only gonna end up finding white males that are experienced. And it's gonna look a little bit like this, plus Blair. <laughs> and that's okay, but you're, you just need to accept that if that's gonna be something that is your sole focus, accept the fact that you're only gonna end up mostly finding these people. But if you shift the focus over to personality, to potential, if you're looking for people that have drive, that are 
trying to find what they're passionate about, people who love to learn, who love other people, love serving, those attributes stretch across multiple demographics. And coffee can always be taught at the end of the day. And if you're a manager, if you're a trainer, if you're an owner, you have to have that passion to teach and be willing to do that. And when you're hiring, don't tokenize people at all. Like, you don't want to just hire just for the sake of it because then you end up, uh, you're not investing in that person. You're just doing it for show. And then that person ends up becoming jaded and not feeling welcome or wanted. And then they end up leaving. So staff empowerment. I think staff empowerment sets the tone for employee culture and probably one of the most important. The business definition of empowerment is a management practice of sharing information, rewards, and power with employees so that they can take initiative and make decisions to solve problems and improve service and performance. Empowerment is based on the idea that giving employees skills, resources, authority, opportunity, motivation, as well as holding them accountable for their outcomes of their actions will contribute to their competence and satisfaction. So I separated that empowerment can be in like two different, two different ways. You can empower them to go after activities. Um, so in my personal experience, my first specialty coffee job, I had a boss who literally just told me what the hell a latte art throwdown was. And I was like, so you're telling me this drink that I already like, there are competitions within this, and I could be the best at making this drink and be better than everyone else? Fuck yeah. I'm going, I'm all in that. Like, put me in there. <laughs> and then I had another job where I had a passion to kind of take my coffee education to another level by teaching, but I was overlooked by someone else. And then that kind of set the tone for me at the rest of that job, and I ended up leaving. And then there's the justice side of uh, empowerment, where, staff, where you're empowering your staff to speak up for themselves if something's wrong. Um, speak up for others and also to customers as well without ridicule or punishment. We all like to think that we'd kick out a customer if they say something questionable or weird. And, but what if, it, what if it's another staff member? Or what if it's management that's saying something questionable? What if it's the owner of the company that's being racist or sexist? Are you, are you allowing them to come to you to talk? Are you going to do something about it? And if not, then you're not being that empowering. We must be comfortable with these ideas because they happen way more often than you think. So we gotta take some action. You need to be open to communication. Allow your coffee shop to be an open space. This open door policy is a great way to think about it. You need to listen, do not dismiss what people are trying to say. Just because you didn't experience it doesn't mean that they're not experiencing it. And if you see something, say something. It's on the train systems. We need to put those posters in our coffee shops, for real. <laughs> like, call that shit out. I'm being for real. <laughs> so reapproaching customer service. Uh, so I want to reiterate, these are the things we need to avoid in this. So stereotyping, implicit bias, and covert racism. Tennessee Coates said, Racism is not merely a simplistic hatred. It is more often broad sympathy towards some and broader skepticism towards others. So most racism out there isn't like the Trump supporting, like Confederate flag waving type racist. A lot of racism is subconscious that we're not actually aware of. It's like the nice uh, type of racism. 
So examples of this would be in the coffee shop. Assuming customers of a particular demographic are difficult to handle or discouraging certain customers not to buy or order certain retail items uh, because you think they can't afford it. And I've seen that way more often than you think. Insert race here, so let's just say uh, black people never tip. I've heard that and I myself am guilty of saying that. So it's not just people of like differing races like kind of throwing this out there. It can be people of the same race. Overco overcoming these often uncon unconscious biases takes conscious work. So we need to focus on the individual and their needs instead of thinking of like, oh, this person in front of me, this is, this is a black person, and like, I've had all these other experiences with black people. You don't know what, you don't wanna do that, because you don't know, you don't know them. You need to take them for face value, find out what it is that they need from you in that moment, and serve them how you wanna be served. Don't stereotype. And if you notice a type of pattern within people, ask. We need to be more open to finding out about these different cultures because every culture does coffee differently. They might have the same drinks that we have but have different names or the other way around. So you think like this, okay, Michelle, this is like customer service 101. Like I have my BGA level one certification. We learned about this. Um, but if you might, you have to ask yourself, is this way that I'm doing customer service something that I'm noticing I only do towards a certain type of people? I've noticed that. I noticed that I had um, more patience towards white people than black people. I noticed I had, I was shorter with people who didn't like speak English as well than people who did. And that realization was like, oh man, I'm, I'm fucked up. <laughs> But you have to, you just have to check yourself and accept that and then you can move past that. No one ever wants to think of themselves as the problem or a part of the problem, but without acceptance, how are we able to enact change? It's all a part of laying that groundwork. So now we go on to these uh, system ideology based solutions. So these are for like, you know, the bigger organizations, these larger entities. Um, so coffee companies, SEAA, like stuff like that. Entities with influence. And I found um, that the timeline for this would probably be a lot longer because we're, we're dealing with you know, way more people, like thousands of people, thousands of coffee shops even. Even a, t a step further than that, like countries. The blessing and curse of finding solutions for diversity for this industry is that it leads to more questions often open-ended when we're thinking about these large entities. It's up for interpretation and creative discussion, so who knows like, what can come out of this. So I have more, for this part, I have more questions than I do actual answers, but hopefully you can take them and we can find some answers. So just a few things I think we should start with. The first thing is I need specialty coffee to accept the fact that we are a part of the wave of gentrification. Accept it, take it, live it, breathe it. We are in that problem. Um, so what do we do with that? How do we include the communities that are displaced by gentrification? If you already have a coffee shop within a gentrified area, how can you kind of fix the damage that may already have been done? If you're opening a coffee shop, what can you do now before we get to that point? 
I often feel that we get too comfortable staying inside of our bubble of coffee. And coffee is supposed to be like a community building beverage. Like people are just like, we go hard for meeting people at coffee shops and hanging out and trying to bring them in and we boast about it. We love Instagramming it. And we offer that, we literally offer a drink that brings people together and bridges gaps in between them. But are we doing the same? Are we bridging the gap between the specialty coffee community and other communities out there? Another question I, I'm gonna ask, is diversity a part of your core values? It has to be just as important to you as a company, as an entity, as an organization, as it is to me, so people like me can advance and grow within the industry. Like I said earlier, valuing diversity is valuing the difference in people. A great example of this is the unification. We're bringing together two continents and all of this like education and all these perspectives and who knows what the hell's gonna come out of that and I'm very excited to see it. Another question. If you have influence, if you have a voice, if you have a platform, how are you using that voice? Are you staying silent? Are you speaking out? What, what do you support? Where are your values? You don't have to like get political about it, but if this is something that you care about, if you want other people to come in, if you wanna be inclusive, you need to be vocal about it, especially if you have a voice. Uh, another example of this would be the sponsorship code of conduct by Akaya. They took a stand and they said, you know what? If you want us to be a sponsor, these are the things you're gonna have to keep in mind. No sexist posters. Uh, we want diverse panels. They're not that hard to ask, but we need to be taking steps similar to that. As mentioned before, we're too comfortable within our boundaries, and I found that in coffee, we've grown kind of complacent. We like to keep the focus where it's always been, which is just like, let's just make good coffee, keep a smile on your face, like, let's just convert the non-believers, uh, but we're being dismissive of the people affected by that complacency. So, to close it out, you can never be done with diversity. The conversation needs to always be going and needs to always be changing and evolving, and it needs to be heard from many different voices. It doesn't necessarily always have to be people of different races that you're including or people of different genders. It can be different people of influence even. Let's find out what our, our newer coffee people are trying to say. I'm one of them, and now I'm fucking up here. <laughs> uh, and for as much as we talk about it, we need to be about it as well. And diversity isn't something that we achieve at a certain point, and we can call a day. That would be the ideal situation, and I don't really know what that looks like, but once we get there, then we need to be able to maintain it. Laying the groundwork for diversity is like uh, setting up a garden, and we have all these different seeds that we wanna throw out, and all these different varieties of plants and fruit and vegetables, and we need to maintain that. But that's a totally different talk, maybe next year, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. That was excellent. Well done. Thank you. You know, this Thank really you. started as a, a vehicle to take the piss out of James Hoffman, but it's, it's great that we're doing important stuff now as well on Time for Time. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm delighted with that. We did achieve that goal well. Yeah, we did. We'll get more of that later. Um, so I saw your blog. A lot of people saw your blog, <laughs> and yeah, <they> did. <laughs> uh, I'm sure I know it made a lot of people think and reassess what they're doing and how they approach, especially coffee. Mm -hmm. Were you ready for that? 
No, not at all. <laughs> I actually, I didn't, um, after I posted that blog, I was like, okay, I'm done talking about this. Like, one and done, I'm good. Because another post that may be up there now, I talk about how scary it is to talk about race because people get very defensive and get, they start attacking you, they think you're attacking them, and it's nothing personal. Um, but people don't realize that at first. So yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting that to blow up like it did, and I was not ready for it, but now I am. I've like completely kind of changed my blog to be more, to bring in that more. So you can call me a coffee activist, if you will. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think Tamper Tantrum has, has proved a great platform in the past for people, so you're gonna have people from all over the world seeing your video and, and hearing your message as well. Great. So more of that. You're now a leader. <laughs> Okay, we're going to throw uh, questions out to the audience here. Is this where I have to go back out there? Uh, I got kicked and bitten last time. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really Steve's version of Sally, there. Jesse, Raphael yes. going on here. So do we have any questions? Ah, fantastic. Hi, I'm Hi. Liz. Um, I also am very interested in issues of diversity, especially in hiring and employment practices. And one, com one conversation that I've been part of a lot in terms of these issues is the fact that so many people who are participating in these conversations just are women and women of color, and the question becomes like, where do white men come into this conversation, mm -hmm. and to what extent do we allow them to, not allow them, but like to, to invite them into that conversation, because I feel a lot of times when those conversations start coming up, like I've seen this on Twitter a lot, where all of a sudden someone will start talking about gender or racism, and you know, all of a sudden it gets really quiet. Whereas if you talk about cold brew, all of a sudden everyone has a Girl, fucking opinion yeah. about it. <laughs> so I guess I'm just, I'm really, for me personally, I'm really mm -hmm. puzzling over that and I welcome as much conversation about how to get that conversation going in a larger way without, mm -hmm. without also coming to a point where then white men are speaking over or for already marginalized voices. Yeah, uh, I think it's, for all my white men out there, don't be afraid to throw out there what it is that is on your mind about this. Uh, I think it's better to just kind of jump forth and like take the plunge and say something and then get corrected uh, than to just stay silent and like not do anything at all. Um, but if you're going to do that and if you're going to be open to correction, you need to be open to listening and not trying to like mansplain or white mansplain anyone and, and dis be dismissive at all. Um, because the experience is that you are not going to like have because of who you are uh, are very valid, uh, but you just can't see it. So you just need to be able to like stop and listen, but don't be afraid to like say something either. Like we'll call you out, but be open to being called out. That's all, that's what I say. I think we've got one more question time, Jen. I'm looking at, yeah, yeah, Jen says yes. We can Down have more questions. There. I'm, I'm going to go to the back this time. Hello. Hi. Uh, so I own a company, and all the partners at this point that are active are men. Uh, and it's, it's obvious that, you know, to us, there's, there's a lot of room for implicit bias. Um, so something I've been considering is, like, trying to reach out approach somebody like, can you give us feedback on our practices? But uh, I think the most daunting thing right now is like, how do we do that and not, like do you have any advice for how we do that without, like what I'm really trying to avoid is that we're just doing it 
to like get that check mark on our company mm-hmm. like oh mm-hmm. we have a diversity counselor or a, mm-hmm. a mentor or something like mm-hmm. do you have advice for how to approach somebody and like what type of person to approach are they if for the people that you're approaching are you just it sounds like you're just like asking them to get that like perspective but you don't want to do that how about including them in the the actual decision making that you're trying to to do does that make sense yeah, I, I guess like, I'm curious, like, what more and more of, like, what type of people should we be reaching out to? Like, it's just, like, it's daunting to, like, reach out to somebody and be like, hey, I want your help. I think you'd be good at mm-hmm. counseling us on this without, you know, causing any blowback or... Mm. That's... <laughs> Like if See, we get, I don't want to get somebody so close to the business that's just like a friend who's going to agree with everything we do. Right, um, right. It's hard to like really offer that advice because I've never, I don't know, for me personally, it's, it's, it's never happened to me. It's like I'm, I'm the marginalized that continues to get looked over for things like that. Um, so I'm actually not quite sure. It's like it's something that I myself am still exploring because a lot of these things that I offered, like I was, like I said, I have, you know, been that person who's been just as racist as someone else. Like I, you know, have these biases that I myself am trying to get over and, and work through. Um, so like I'm kind of right there with you in a way. Uh, so I'm not sure. I'm sorry. <laughs> Of course you can. Hi, my name is Tamika. Uh, I think that's a great question. It's really introspective and thoughtful of you to be considering it. And there are definitely like diversity consultants that you could hire to do that work. And I definitely, I definitely would do that um, because it's kind of like when like a weird joke goes out, you know that there are no black people in the writer's room. Like if you're on a TV show, you're like, ooh, how did that pass? How did that make the cut? Um, so definitely if you feel like you need to, I would like just research diversity consultants because there are people who will like look over your business and say, this works, this doesn't work. And even if it's just a person of color in your industry that you trust, even if you don't know them, because uh, I, uh, if someone did that, it would create, it would engender a lot of respect for that person in me. And so whatever I could do to help them, and not everyone will, but I mean, and if it was a paid consultancy, like I would just offer that to like someone who's really well respected in the industry and someone who knows, um, who is well educated on diversity and not like they're like a Twitter professor or something. Um, Cause there <laughs> is also, you wanna make sure that you're not like asking someone to do emotional like labor that then they're not gonna pay for. Cause that's a whole different conversation. Um, but there are diversity consultants and I think it's awesome and introspective of you to be thinking about that. Yeah. I'm excited to see where your company goes after this. I think you need to send him a big quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Michelle Johnson.